0: contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about St. John's wort.
1: Yeah, we're going to call Michael's friend Greg Monzel herbalist extraordinaire.
0: Yeah, I figure we'd go back to the roots of plant medicine.
1: The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the lab report.
0: Why do I think you're even competitive with paper airplanes?
1: Oh, no. I'm- Terrible. How can at you, paper be, How can you can be terrible, terrible at, at
0: paper airplanes? Aerodynamics is not my thing. Hello.
1: Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty
0: Devers. How you doing?
1: I am living my best life. How are you?
0: Until I give you an origami set. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. This is a podcast called The Lab Report. It's where we talk about things mm-hmm. like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics. And today, St. John's work. Hmm.
1: Well, a little bit of housekeeping first. If you're new to the show... Welcome. Hi. Hi. And if you're returning, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate we you. We do. And we hope that by now you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and perhaps left us some stars or some feedback, rate, review, share with your friends, things like that.
0: You can do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. No, but. It's free will, choice.
1: We would love it.
0: We would, we would like that.
1: What else could they do?
0: Uh, they could also email us. You know, if you have additional feedback, podcast at gdx.net, send it there. I haven't heard from Joe in a while.
1: Well, dude. Last time we talked, you set up that spam folder filter in the email, so you might want to check spam. (laughs) Oh,
0: I haven't checked that yet. Here, let me look. Let me look. Mm -hmm. 37. See? There we go. Oh, my God. No, but really, how could you be bad at paper airplanes? I don't understand. Like, you just fold the paper.
1: Well, there's ways you can fold the paper correctly and incorrectly, and I just don't understand the aerodynamics that well.
0: It's not even about understanding aerodynamics. It is. It's just about being able to fold Dude, in no. right angles. you got
1: to plan ahead. There's a lot going on there.
0: This has to be just an issue of a bad teacher.
1: It, it probably was. I it mean, probably was.
0: planning ahead is something you're generally probably pretty good at. Oh,
1: I'm great at that, but it's really just the whole, yeah, I think just conceptualizing something that's going to eventually unfold and fly mm, was never taught.
0: So you just need a better teacher. I mean, we can workshop it.
1: Okay. Hmm. There goes the afternoon. Great. Well, the other thing that I'm not great at that I need some workshopping on is plant medicine because it's super important and when mm. I came here to Genova, I knew nothing about plant medicine and I've picked up a, a couple of things because of you and and Christine and Donna, but mm. I need more.
0: Mm, well there's lots to learn about plant medicine. There's uh there's a lot of information out there. There's 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 like books.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean at school we took we took two years worth of plant medicine classes, so
1: See, we didn't didn't have any, but everyone takes supplements. I mean, there's supplements everywhere. Everyone's taking all kinds of things. And so I think we can use this podcast to kind of intermittently highlight various herbs so that we can all learn about them because I am sitting across from a naturopath.
0: Well, and here's the thing, too. We think from a supplement standpoint, right? I I think so often as clinicians, we're thinking about these things almost like we think about drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the what's the clinical condition? How are we using it? What's the dose? What is the mechanism of action? Where's the research? Where's the control trials? Mm -hmm. And we forget that we've been using these plants for thousands of years, right? We've been, this information, we're just looking at St. John's wort today and there's, you know, information as far as clinical application dating back to quotes from Hippocrates. You know that guy?
1: Oh, I'm familiar.
0: And the other thing to know about this is when we're talking about herbal medicine, we're talking about plants, right? These are groups of constituents, right? It's not like a drug that you take one single extract. And and think about it. Most of our drugs originally came from plants Mm -hmm. where you would extract a single extract from uh, or a single constituent from a plant. And then you would concentrate that and that would turn into a drug. That's what a drug is.
1: Like digitalis in foxglove or salicylates comes from plants. So if you can consider most of our medicines came from plants, I think they they don't get their due. we got to understand this more.
0: Yeah, and a perfect example is St. John's wort because when we think of St. John's wort, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Depression. Right. And in this way, we've said, oh, okay, well, we've got a green alternative for depression. You just take St. Right. John's wort. It's an extract. Oh, there's some debate around the constituents. You need to take this constituent, not that constituent. But at the end of the day, we've turned it into a drug again.
1: It's so profound what you just said.
0: And we need to we need to think, step back and think, you know, actually, originally, these were herbal medicines. These are plants that actually, they grow in the ground. Oh, yeah. They, they're they like, you yeah. can walk by them and, <laughs> you know, and what do they look like? And all that, all that sort of information. There's so much to know. And there's probably a hundred different herbs out there that you could think about for depression. Mm-hmm. What makes this one so special and what makes it unique? Those are some of the things that we might want to know when we're walking in the vein of of herbal medicine.
1: Okay, so we're going to pick St. John's wort. We're going to dive into everything you need to know about it. The plant, not the pill. And I happen to be sitting across from a naturopath. So Hi. Hi. So are you the person that's going to tell me everything about this plant?
0: No. Is. absolutely not what do you mean oh well i mean i could tell you a little bit about the plant and i could spend time going into pubmed and telling you what it says in the blah, research blah, about blah. the plant right exactly mm-hmm. and so i thought it better to have uh somebody come on and tell us about st john's wor- from a more well-rounded perspective who i've got this friend greg monzel okay he's an herbalist i've known him for a long time uh-huh. um and a long
1: time what like oh, from naturopathic yeah. school? What are you talking about?
0: No, like from childhood, like from oh, high school. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and it just so happens that, yeah, he's a fantastic herbalist. He knows the plants inside and out. And w- I can't think of a better person to tell us a little bit about St. John's Word.
1: Okay. So why don't we call him up on the phone? you think you'd be okay with that? Just call him up?
0: I mean, can I, like, text him first? Just let yeah. him know. He might be doing something. I mean,
1: Well, listen, g- I just don't want you to ruin a friendship. I <laughs> don't think it's appropriate. I don't, that,
0: that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I think it'd be nice to text him first. Nah,
1: let's just call him. All right, fine. Hi,
0: this is Greg. Hi, Greg. This is Michael Chapman. Hi, Greg. And it's Patty Devers. This is my co host, Patty Devers, and we're doing a podcast thing. You. Oh, that's amazing. Thanks <laughs> so much for calling me. It's great very, to hear from you. You're very welcome. So Patty doesn't know much about you other than the fact that uh, you're you're one of my BFFs for a long time. So,
1: so why you, don't you tell me about you so that yeah. I can become your BFF too?
2: Sure. Well, uh, Mike and I have known each other for a long time from our band nerd history. <laughs> and um, I feel like Mike and I have connected over natural medicine over the years and shared a lot of um, pro tips and fatherhood experiences and community experiences, working in natural medicine. Um, so I'm an herbalist and I, I call myself a community herbalist. I see clients who uh, come to me with their health concerns about uh, various things from mental health to physical conditions. And, um, I do my best to, to steward kind of the plants into their hands that might help them feel better in their lives. And, um, I work a lot with the plants out in the field and the gardens, gathering things, making medicines, um, tinctures, salves, those sorts of things, old timey medicines for, for the doctors. Um, you know, not, not what you might think of as modern day pharmaceuticals by any means, but the crude raw, you know, plant to table Mm -hmm. type medicine.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Greg, because I went to conventional medical school and I've landed here in a sea of naturopaths, I feel it like it's such a disadvantage for not understanding the power of herbs, how they're made. What is an herbalist? Like how do you become an herbalist?
2: That's a great question. An herbalist is, I know it's hard to describe. There's a lot of different ways to be an herbalist, but um, I would say, you know, these are again, people who connect people with plants to help restore those relationships for the health of both, I think, you know, ecology and people and, you know, herbalists have been around for, you know, longer than civilization, right? So we have um, some of our earlier most important works on herbal medicine are thousands of years old. Hmm. And we had, you know, our ancestors had this knowledge before we were writing things down. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's something I feel like I'm very passionate about Keeping that knowledge fresh and learning as much as I can about plants and how they can benefit us in our daily lives through whether that's through medicine or foraging wild foods and kind of nutrient density that you can get from some of those things um, down to even making baskets and, you know, knife handles and things like that. Hmm.
0: right. Well, today we've been talking a little bit about St. John's wort and, you know, kind of like what we do, we tend to get into the, you know, the PubMed literature weeds and stuff like that. But I wanted to get yep. a little bit of your perspective on St. John's wort from, you know, tell me a little bit about how you think of St. John's wort from like a more personal perspective.
2: Sure. Um, I've had some some interesting experiences with the plant. Um, It's It's something that you'll find typically blooming on like a bright, sunny uh, meadow kind of area in the middle of summer. And that's the kind of energy that I feel like it kind of embodies as a plant. It has these bright yellow flowers, the, this kind of almost lime green foliage, and they tend to occur in stands, um, you know, again, the full sun. And they just have this sunny quality in their medicinal action. Uh, they kind of uplift the spirit for people who are maybe more melancholic or, um, maybe tend towards, you know, mild depressive type symptoms. And I would say physiologically as well as mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think of it, you know, like people like to encapsulate herbs as like, this is an herb for, you know, blank Mm -hmm. insert, whatever kind of thing here. And I would say, you know, St. John's wort is, I think of it as an herb for acute trauma. Hmm. That's kind of my my first go-to, you know, place for it. I think that's one place where it gets lost a little bit in the research and the literature. Hmm. We tend to think of it as an antidepressant, but I don't quite think of it that way. I think of it as like more of a mood enhancer or elevator, Hmm. Um, which, you know, is similar, I guess, to an antidepressant, right? Hmm. But, um, you know, it's not not necessarily appropriate in all cases Hmm. of depression, I would say. So
1: So just... You know this is my naivete right so i walk out into my yard i'm walking down the street there's plants everywhere right is -hmm. it possible that saint john's wort is growing somewhere in my backyard and i don't know it like where does it grow
2: well you and i are both in this kind of eastern deciduous forest biome region and yes it's quite likely you have saint john's wort within walking distance of your home quite likely in fact one of the experiences i had finding it and gathering some of the best medicine i've made with it was i was cycling just for fun, going fast out by uh, this reservoir close to my house. And something just caught my attention off of the um, kind of my right side off the road here. And I just had to go turn around and go see what plant that was. And something about it just stood out to me. And I went back. And it was this huge stand of St. John's wort just next to this bridge, right in the full sun on the south facing slope. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff, taller than I usually see it. And, um, felt appropriate, you know, to to gather some in that moment. St. John's Wort is a non-native plant here in the United States, at least the species is, Um, and so it grows as kind of an invasive plant, and it Mm -hmm. is quite
0: common as a weed. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: And when you make that distinction between invasive and non-invasive um, what What's important about that to maybe some of the clinicians who are listening like or or maybe who are interested in getting into like cultivating and, and harvesting?
2: Oh, great. that's great. Um, I mean, in other words, invasive means it's it's a plant that is not native to the region where you're growing it, and then it might you know has the potential to spread into wild populations and displace native plants there. Mm-hmm. So kind of those are the conditions that that I think of. to to call it an invasive plant. It's more invasive, I would say, and and weedy, more or less, you know, out in the West Coast states like um, Oregon, Washington, and California. It's It's kind of a problem in some places there. Here in Indiana, and I think through most of the eastern deciduous region, it's not really, you know, as much of a problem in my opinion as far as displacing other plants. It just tends to kind of naturalize and occupy, you know, fields. But I don't see it taking over places Mm -hmm. and pushing other plants around Mm -hmm. so but as a as an herbalist someone who's gathering herbs right i have to be conscious about how much of a plant i'm taking from a given population is it going to have enough energy and you know and health to restore the population after i've removed some and so gathering invasive species or non-native plants does feel good to me in general because it's something that is more restorative to the environment and i think that's good medicine to make you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. When we're making medicine, you know, if it's if it's helping restore our connection to nature, I think that's pretty important, too. Yeah.
1: Got it. Got it. Well, as it relates to St. John's wort, although this is an audio only show, I've watched your Facebook mm-hmm. live videos where you walk in nature and you identify like nearly every plant. What is it that are the things that stand out to you on how to identify St. John's wort? St. John's
2: wort is in the family of plants that have typically five regular parts of the flower. So you're going to have five bright yellow petals and there's a profusion of stamen, the male pollen bearing parts of the flower. Um, and then that's, so that's going to be your flowers. You're going to have clusters or tentacles of flowers at the, at the kind of terminal ends of the plant. And then the leaves are opposite each other. And if you, if you, take one of the leaves of St. John's Wort, Hibericum perforatum, and you hold it up to the light, you'll see little openings in the leaf. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not, you know, just holes in the leaf, like Swiss cheese. There's some kind of membrane there. There's something going on in there. Mm-hmm. For, for lack of a better <laughs> way to describe it. There's something going Terrible. on in there. <laughs> I think, you know, I think there's like a little, I I imagine it as like a little factory in there. Like they're, they're getting sunlight and using it in a different way Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. sunlight makes this plant more potent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the rare exceptions when you're making medicines that you you often want to expose your St. John's Wort medicine to sunlight during the processing to make it more potent.
0: Yeah. And it's those holes, right? That that's where some of the medicinal properties, because they're almost like little red dots, and is yeah. it, that's where you actually, if you process it, then um, it has that red color to it that we commonly associate with St. John's wort, because of those little holes on the leaves.
2: That's right. Now, when I'm in the field checking for potency, I'll take a little bit of the flowers or the flower buds and I'll crush those between my fingers. And it should leave a bright, these are yellow flowers. They leave a bright purple stain hmm. when you crush something like that. And that's the hyperforums. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're literally seeing that. Then when you're extracting it and making medicine, some of the other constituents, I think more of the tannins come out as well and give it that deep blood red color.
1: That's interesting. This is all fascinating to me. But you're talking about, you know, you find this plant and you're talking about specific constituents. I've heard you and Michael talk about, you know, whole plant versus constituents. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so, you know, we we, we have... In our kind of Western physiological model, we tend to look for the chemicals in the plants that have physiological activity that's exceptional to that plant, maybe, and doesn't occur in other plants. And we we tend to study those activities of those chemicals and re- refer kind of the activity of the plant to that chemical. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's that's kind of how we tend to think about chemistry and constituents from herbs, but. A lot of the chemicals that are commonly found in plants are nutritive and have physiological properties mm-hmm. in addition to whatever, you know, chemicals might make that plant exceptional. And so it's those really you know, if you're making if you're making a pea or you're making a tincture which is just an alcohol based extract of the plant, you're gonna have a lot of that stuff in there. And it's important to consider that. It's important to think about how that's gonna affect you. I've seen a lot of um, you know, folks that have, you know, great intentions who aren't necessarily paying attention as a clinician to the sort of subtle effects of some of these herbs that that they get, you know, side effects and problems from using plants with people that aren't, they're not appropriate for them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And I'm thinking specifically here of rhodiola, Hmm. which is surprisingly astringent and drying. And so you give this to someone who might have constipation Hmm. and it's going to make them more constipated. Hmm. If you give it to someone who... Um, you know, have like um, leaky gut, it's going to make that potentially worse and, you know, it could make them irritable. So um, it's important to consider those effects. That's not part of the way the rosadins work. If you're just studying, you know, the different constituents of rhodiola, well, you're not going to know that.
0: Right. Right. Um, so
2: I think it's important to, to look at the traditional usage of these plants. What kind of pattern do we look for in our clients or patients? And, and where are these plants really appropriate? Because we have a lot of plants to choose from out here. Yeah. It's not just St. John's wort and comfrey and a couple other plants. We have hundreds of medicinal plants available just in our bioregion. Yeah.
0: And that's that leads me kind of into the question too, because, uh, you know, so often I think in this type of medicine, people essentially, St. John's wort is really the flagship, right? When you think of right. like an herb for mood. And right. so how do you compare St. John's worts St. John's wort with some of the other herbs for, for mood.
2: Sure. I think of St. John's wort as being a little more stimulating Mm -hmm. than some others. So like, um, for instance, if I have someone who is struggling, maybe with anxiety, it might not be the best plant for them. It can exacerbate that in some cases. But if I see it with someone who's just, you know, more kind of, I would say like, um, a negative aspect mm-hmm. is probably kind of the best thing to look for mm-hmm. for St. John's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody who's like kind of burned out, maybe like has been taking drugs or something like that. They might do well with something like, let's say pulsy, mm-hmm. you know, which can be a little more restorative to the consciousness element. Mm-hmm. I think of St. John's work as being again, kind of most appropriate for people that are dealing with acute trauma and its effects or, Maybe it's, you know, trauma comes in so many manifestations. It could be past trauma um, that's affecting them still in the moment, but where there's kind of this acute injury
1: mm-hmm. in
2: a way. And mm-hmm. that can be, again, kind of more physical or that could be mental.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, are And there...
2: then the kind of depressed state that's associated with that. Right.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Well, are are there other uses for St. John's work besides mood disorders?
2: Absolutely. So I would say St. John's War, I use it even more frequently for um, cases where there's damage to nerves. Uh-huh. And so it can seem to help restore connections where you know axons are cut. And I just used this recently. I had a minor surgery on my finger. it had some numbness in the tip of my finger and it seemed to help restore that function pretty quickly. Um, and again, that goes to that physical trauma piece. So it's, it's an herb that's often given. In, in physical trauma where, where you might have like a sprain or a, or a bruise or um, I wouldn't go so far as like a broken bone, right? That's when I'm going to call the doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, other minor things where uh, there might be some nerve damage or nerve signaling is an issue. I've used it with people um, that are having shingles with great luck. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to help kind of calm down that nerve inflammation and help restore Good function there. Um, it's also an underrated antiviral yeah. herb. Huh. And so maybe for people who have both depressed immune systems and depressed mood, might yeah. be good to think about. Um, St. John's Wort might be a good fit for those folks.
0: Do you often find yourself combining St. John's wort with, with other herbs? Like I think either in a tincture or, you know, if somebody's more akin to grabbing a supplement combination sort of thing, are there good things to pair it with? Yeah,
2: Yeah, I would say so. And I, I I use St. John's wort maybe, you know, half and half, Mm -hmm. half the time I might just be using it on its own or recommend it just on its own to someone or, you know, half the time I'm adding other herbs to it. So, um, a lot of the other herbs that help with kind of attention, focus, mood, uh, calming herbs, gentle nervines like lemon balm, seed, chamomile, mm-hmm. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are kind of household name type herbs uh in children I might combine it with catnip mm-hmm. to help strengthen digestion as well. Um but yeah, I mean there's, you know, sky for women. Yeah. Uh, I've used it with for shingles and other um like uh, um people who have, oh gosh, sciatica, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like sciatic nerve pain. Um, I'll have them use the tincture topically, more like a liniment basically. Mm-hmm. And then I combine that with um, like skull cap is a good fit there, a little bit of lobelia. And that is nice.
1: Can I, can I ask a dumb question <laughs> to Please. you and Michael?
2: There's another <laughs>
1: <laughs> So in the conventional world, we are, we're often concerned about Herbs, herbal supplements and other supplements interfering with uh, prescriptive medications. So my question is, number one, does St. John's wort interfere with other meds? And number two, can you get too much of it? Like are there people who should not be taking it or can take too much and what would happen?
2: Great question. Um, I would say, so it's, it's, you know, we're opening up a little bit of a can of worms with, with this, with St. John's wort. If you're studying St. John's wort and you're looking at clinical um, concerns about it. You're probably going to find sources that say it's an MAOI, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and you are obviously not going to want to take that with a lot of prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, in practice, in you know, in typical dosage, I have not seen that be a concern. Mm-hmm. I will say some people using it. You know, in this kind of functional medicine world, using high potency extracts as a simple herb, you know, not combining with other things, you can reach pretty high doses that might be potentially a concern. Okay. Um, but I think that I think that most of it is out of an abundance of caution and not based on great evidence that in clinical practice it actually is a concern.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I will also know that I have overdosed. On St. John's wort.
0: What? I want
2: to hear this story. Do tell. (laughs) And so um, one beautiful day in, I think, 2007, I was gathering St. John's wort on um, the hillside with bare hands and, you know, lots of flowers and really potent medicine was was filling into the medicine bag. And I got so much on my hands during harvesting Mm -hmm. that... Just through cutaneous absorption, mm-hmm. I, um, I got too much. I could feel, I felt overstimulated. I felt a little bit feverish. I even got a little bit of like heat stroke kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. And one of the effects of St. John's work toxicity is um, like photosensitivity and mm-hmm. being more sensitive to sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. And what would have been a normal outdoor exposure for me, I spend a lot of time outside, I stay well hydrated. What this was didn't feel like any kind of you know exhausting test of endurance or something. This was just a typical day for me, Um, but I felt wiped out, and I felt Hmm. I got really bad sunburn. Hmm. Um, I just I reached this kind of toxic level, Um, so I'm a little more careful with it since then. Take (laughs) a little more care, yeah, Yeah. you know, not to wear it when I'm harvesting it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting, too, because about kind of cutaneous absorption, you can also use it as an oil as well, right? You can kind of extract it into an that's oil right. extract, and that's, that's common also.
2: That's right, and that's, that's the main way that I tend to use it for, you know, trauma and nerve damage, that sort of thing. Um, nerve inflammation, that's where I'm using it topically, usually in an oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the oil should be that kind of blood red color as well as the, the alcohol extracts, the tinctures. If it's not, if you get in St. John's wort oil and it's like pale straw colored stuff, it's not going to be, it's not good medicine. It's not going to be very potent.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: Got it. And I've definitely seen that on the market. Yeah.
0: There's also kind of this, um, debate out there, at least in the literature, going back to c- the constituent conversation where people be like, oh, the, mm-hmm. the hypericin is the, the get, the, the mm-hmm. is the extract you want to get, or the hyperforin is the extract you want to get. Are these English get. words? <laughs> Are, <laughs> like, is there any any reason to care about distinguishing those two things, or is it really, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we want to be talking about the whole plant? I mean, I think I, I personally tend towards using the whole plant.
2: I'll just say I have a bit of a bias about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. However, I will say also, you know, I think with St. John's War, because there is such a wide variation of the natural material in terms of its medicinal potency, that it is good to have some measure, some kind of barometer for, is this good medicine or is this, you know, just olive oil that I'm rubbing on? And um, so I think, you know, it's worth it's worth having a bar. You know, I'm not going to say necessarily that one is better than the other. My understanding is that Hypericum is a sub-constituent of the hyperforins, and that the hyperforens are a larger group of compounds. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, which one you're measuring, I'm not really too concerned about that, Mm -hmm. um, as long as you have a good amount of one or the other. Well, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sending my products off to a lab to have that tested, so what I'm looking for is that color, the flavor, the aromaticity that comes with St. John's Wort, it has a certain flavor, a certain smell, and as long as all that stuff is there, I'm confident that the medicine is good and that it's potent. So it's a little bit of both.
0: Yeah. And this is definitely one of those that, because of its persistence, and I believe it has toxicity to livestock as well, I think there's a lot of farmers that will actually like put on Craigslist, please come get this stuff out of my farm.
2: What? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And because they are consuming larger amounts of the herbivores, mm-hmm. right? so cattle in particular— it's a concern for them. And, you know, again, we'll reach that, that toxic level. It it can definitely be a problem. You know, with, with with medicinal plants, there usually is some kind of threshold where you're getting too much. And that's true for food plants too, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you eat too much garlic or onions and you're going to have some negative effects, right? Mm -hmm. If you eat too much kale, you're probably going to have a loose stool the next day, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's physiological effects we call them side effects, but or toxicity, but it's just a dose dependent relationship. And herbs are just a more potent kind of source for a lot of nutrients and these kind of um, novel compounds. Yeah. This is part of the spectrum. Just like when you're putting parsley in your food, you're using you know a smaller amounts, um, right? right? You're not using that as like a salad green, typically, right? So similar with with herbs. So you want to you do want to be careful with with dosage.
1: Well, Greg, this has been a ridiculous amount of fun information, and I want to end this by asking: Now that you and I are best friends, can I FaceTime you from my garden and walk around? And you can tell me what everything is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can do that. Yep, yep. I do that. I do garden walks for folks and uh, plant identification and walks. Great, um, great.
1: We're gonna link yep. your phone Almost number in the show notes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> almost uh almost every plant at your back door around your footsteps are literally food and medicine for you just waiting to be recognized and appreciated and um cultivated and nice. gathered yeah Aww.
0: and if if there are people out there who want to uh hear more from you and 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 speak with you maybe and work with you um where can they find more information well, I work out of my home-based
2: business, Wild for Simmons School of Wellness, and you can find us on the web, the, web, the interwebs, <laughs> and Instagram, and um, other beautiful places. Um, so that would be a great place to kind of check in with us. You can sign up for our newsletter on the website, um, and you can also, you should be able to find contact information for me there as well.
1: Awesome. awesome. Um,
0: last question. Actually, I lied. Two more questions. Oh, gosh. Um, sure. first, can we have you back on when we, when we have herbal yes. questions or when we, we want to talk a little bit more about some of these herbs and plants?
2: Yeah. I mean, Patty and I have a lot, a lot of, uh, getting acquainted <laughs> to do it
0: sounds
2: like So yeah. I would love to come back. Awesome. <laughs>
0: cool. Awesome. And my last question is, um, what is your favorite wild animal?
2: Hmm. Oh, my favorite wild animal. Right now I've been, um, really like in my mind hanging out with beaver. what how come yes the beaver (laughs) how come uh well how come i um i have been working with willow a bit lately i've been channeling my inner basket maker (laughs) and um, i've been working on a like a willow meditation hut on my property here so and you know beaver is the traditional harvester and keeper and propagator of willow um, our, our environment and a much kind of missing element in much of our uh, habitats these days. And so um, kind of channeling that beaver energy, like that constantly working and and improving the environment. They have this keystone quality. They just change the whole environment around them. And where a beaver lives, you can have literally twice the diversity of plants Hmm. because of the wetland systems that they create than you would if you didn't have beaver there
1: awesome answer that is a great answer well, Greg, Greg you're the best you are, Greg you are the best we're going to call you again you yeah, guys are great too <laughs> I feel honored
0: to be here thank you you're very welcome man uh, we'll catch up again soon and uh, just thanks so much sounds great how about that
1: I am wildly impressed how about that this. he's a genius I know off the cuff I know what in the world? So this makes me think that I smell a recurrent character coming. Every time we talk about an herb, we need to call Greg.
0: Uh, I would like that to be the case. If you're good with that, it oh. sounds like Greg might be good with that. Cool. I should probably text him and let him know.
1: <laughs> well, there is one thing, Michael. As you remember when we did the episode on Astragalus, yeah. I brought up to you the fact that all of these herbs have 65 different types of names. So it makes me think we should end this episode with... Mm. What's in a name? What's in a name?
0: Okay, so if we're gonna do this, what's in a name, maybe we should just go ahead and start with St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward. What's in a name? Love it. That's what's most commonly known as St. John's Ward. What's in a name? Mm-hmm. Where's that come from? Where's St. John's Ward?
1: Well, it's named that way because it usually flowers and is blossoming and harvested around the time of St. John's Feast Day. And-
0: St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward. What's in a
1: name? June 24th.
0: Huh. huh. Okay. Okay. I've got another thing here saying, another legend holds that the plant released its blood red oil hmm. on August 29th, the day of St. John's beheading. So maybe some competing thoughts. Yeah. So maybe some competing thoughts. Yeah. What's in a name? Some people like to call it St. John's War. St. John's War. Love it. What's in a name?
2: They feel like it has more of like a feminine kind of quality, like a feminine personality to it. Feminine personality to it. Okay.
0: I like yours. It's uh-huh. good. Um, so St. John's Wort is also known as Hypericum Perforatum. That's okay. the Latin name, the scientific name. So is there? do we know anything about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The hyper part means above. The icon piece of that means picture or image. And so it's hyper... Icon, so above the picture, and it's in reference to the fact that they used to hang these types of plants over religious icons in the home during St. John's Day to ward off
0: evil spirits. Evil spirits as well?
1: Yeah.
0: Evil spirits as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Didn't Astragalus also ward off evil spirits as well? I think so. Interesting. We're doing a lot of warding off <laughs> of evil spirits, it seems.
1: But I think the other piece when we talked about Astragalus, and as we're talking about St. John's ward.
0: St. John's ward. what's in a name?
1: It has a lot of different names. Sure does,
0: right? Uh, Sure does, right? Uh, Oh, you know, Klamath weed. Klamath weed. Oh, you know, Klamath weed. Klamath weed. Referring to its invasive nature in Oregon. What? We're looking at Tipton weed.
1: Uh Goat weed. Uh, Anola
0: weed. What's in a name? I'm getting the sense that most people are still referring to it as a weed.
1: (laughs) But it's also amber. Some people call it amber or hard hay. Hard hay?
0: What's in a name? Like is that just just like it, hey it, it looks like hay but it's harder is that what that is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and why did we settle on Saint John's Wort as the most famous? Like you know, goatweed's kind of cool. Love it. Goatweed's kind of cool. Love it. Okay.
0: What what what's in a name?
1: I mean, really, do I want to take something called wort when I'm depressed?
0: Well, certainly, let's make a distinction from the skin ailment known as a wart.
1: Which has an A in it.
0: Right, this is wart, W-O-R-T, mm-hmm. which is a derivation of the word wort, an Old English word meaning plant, root, or herb. Hmm. So there's a lot of warts out there in the plant kingdom.
1: Warts, weeds, warts.
0: So Patty, you asked for it, you said you needed more. I got more. You needed more plant medicine understandings.
1: See, but not only did I get more plant understandings, I got a new best friend. That's right. Greg Monzel.
0: Next time on The Lab Report, an auditory guide to paper airplane making.
1: Well, I hope you get a guest host because I don't know anything about that. I'll text Greg. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net.
0: Do you have a least favorite wild
1: animal? Hmm. Is a snake a wild animal? Yes. They can be. Yeah. Snake. I'm they li- have they a, live in the wild. I'm going to have a, a bad dream just thinking about that. What's, what's your least favorite wild animal? Ants. <laughs> It's a wild animal.
0: I don't know, but they—I don't even want them on the planet any longer. What in
1: the world? I don't want them on the planet anymore. Greg, that was awesome. You're a genius. You know a lot of stuff. You know a lot of stuff, dude.
2: You know, I can't take credit for it. It's our ancestors' knowledge, and you know, we've been handing it down to our kids. And I feel like we owe it to future generations to keep this knowledge
1: alive yeah I love it